Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. We're talking about how to transform your past pain into purpose today with author Pastor Chris Brown on SOS Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to be on the podcast and on the radio show. Chris, we always think about the hills and the valleys in life, and we always want to have those mountaintop experiences, but most of the growth in our life happens when we're climbing those mountains. You know, we're walking through the valley, we're looking up, we're dreaming, but it's during the climb and the pain and the frustration and the sweat that that's where God seems to do most of the transformational work, huh? Yeah, for sure. I tell people all the time, I found out about Jesus on the way down to the valley, but I actually got to know him on the way up. And so the trip down to the valley and the several trips down to the valley throughout my journey um, have really been huge in my, my relationship with Christ. And I actually don't learn much from the mountaintop experiences except for that my pride and my lack of humility creep in fast and I forget that I need a Savior. We're talking with Chris Brown today at SWS Radio. You wrote a book, it's called Restored, and it's really about transforming the sting of your past into your purpose for today, but it starts with your story, and the past isn't always fun to talk about, Chris. No, that's for sure, but uh, you know, I, for me, I feel like we all do have a past. We all do have pain in that past. It all looks differently. In the book, I lead out with some of my stories, but the real purpose of it, you know, the, the word stewardship is a word that's thrown around a lot, especially in, in the Christian world. And a lot of times it's equated to money and finances, but really stewardship is deeper than that. It's managing God's blessings, God's way for God's glory. And if we really view this life as a blessing, it's a gift. Well, all of our past life that we've lived, the high moments, the low moments and everything in between, they're a gift of his. And so we need to manage that for his glory. And so what kind of nutrients can we suck out of the past and what kind of purpose can we give those things that have happened to us in the past so that we can help others and glorify Christ today and in the future. And so I think if you don't do that, all that pain in the past is actually a waste. So I'm always looking through any kind of tragedy in my life or any kind of tragedy in my friends' lives to kind of just explore and and excavate what's the purpose in this and, and how can we give God glory. There's a difference between learning lessons the hard way and just being dealt terrible situations. We're talking with Chris Brown today at SWS Radio, and he's an author and a pastor. Chris, tell us your story about how God used your past pain to transform some purpose into your life today. Well, a few years ago, I was in a pretty polished boardroom with a bunch of polished executives, and I've had the opportunity as an adult to work in some pretty impressive environments, some really sharp people, and and we were having this board meeting, uh, and we were critiquing one of my talks. I'm a traveling speaker, and I've spoken on some pretty big stages, you know, to eight, nine, ten thousand people. And uh, we were dissecting this talk. For me, I couldn't believe my past and where I've come from, and the fact that I got that opportunity. But for the executive team, they don't know anything about my past. And someone in the room made a made a comment of Chris, everyone thinks you were born with this silver spoon in your mouth, and that you've always had opportunity, and you've always had these great things going for you and all this stuff. And I could not believe my ears that somebody was saying that because they didn't know anything about me. And the reality is, is that my past is completely opposite. There was none of that. I grew up in drugs and alcohol and violence and homelessness and instability and tragedy and multiple father figures going to jail, sleeping in the backseat of cars, underneath piers, underneath 
bridges, went to 17 different schools. I, I grew up in a lot of tragedy. And so to hear somebody say that was really wild to me. And it made me realize I need to be a lot more transparent. I need to be a lot more vulnerable and a lot more open and honest so that more people can relate. And so I've gone through this journey over the last several years. I think that was in 2014. And uh, over the last several years of just really kind of doing some heart surgery and doing some life surgery and going to a bunch of counseling and, and trying to make sense of my past. And in doing that, I said, okay, so now what? And now I know all this about myself. I know why I'm wired this way. I know how I react this way and how, how can I help other people? And so now some of that pain that's from my past, I can use to empathize for people. I can use to minister and I can use to make a difference. And so my goal in life is not to live a polished life. My goal is to live an impactful one. And so however I can do that, whether it's a radio show, whether it's a book, whether it's speaking or whether it's just talking with a young adult near a campfire, whatever it takes to make sure that I, um, you know, suck the nutrients out of that past and give it glory. Now, Chris, how has your childhood changed the way that you've raised your own children? Yeah, well, I've got a couple filters. Number one, I'm uh, for me, I'm a, a person of faith, and so I'm always going to like say, okay, what does the Bible say on how I should uh, interact with my children? That's my first filter. Number two is, okay, what exactly did I experience? And let's do the exact opposite. <laughs> That's number two. And the third filter is, hey, in this situation, currently, even today, my son just transferred schools, and he's asking, this is really fresh, this is like literally 30 minutes ago, is asking to leave school. And um, he's in a new school and he's, he's being really brave and he's being courageous. It's a, a school that's not necessarily ideal. He's probably one of the only people that looks like him in his school. And he's just really being brave, but he's begging to go to lunch and to leave early. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, you know, five years from now, eight years from now, 12 years from now, is he really going like, to resent the fact that he missed that one Spanish two lesson? Or that, or is he going to remember when he needed it the most and he was almost having a panic attack at school that dad came and picked him up and went, took him to Applebee's? I mean, which one is he going to remember? So for me, I put myself in his shoes and I say, hey, when I was there and I felt abandoned and I felt rejected and I felt like I was all alone, I felt scared and confused, what did I want? Well, I wanted a parent to be there for me. And so that's my filter. What did I want? I'm going to try to do that. So yeah, I would say my past from a fatherhood standpoint, having no father has really shaped me. But it's actually shaped me in a way of do the opposite of what I received. Anytime we go through trauma, we can look for the opportunity or we can choose to play the victim card. We're talking with Chris Brown today at SWS Radio. He's been a pastor with Elevation Church and Potential Church. Worked with Dave Ramsey as one of their nationally syndicated radio hosts for Life, Money, and Hope. And Chris Brown's talking with us today at SWS Radio. And a lot of times, you know, when we have experiences that are just terrible in our life, we just tend to take that victim mentality. I mean, it's pretty natural to want to do so, but it's not healthy, but we do it anyway. Chris, what have you learned about combating the mentality of I'm the victim and instead taking up more of a can-do mentality instead, recognizing that there is real pain and trauma and bogus stuff that's going on in our past? Yeah, I mean, we've all been around people. I mean, it's funny because no one would raise their hand and say, hey, I'm going to admit it. I have a victim's mentality. No, I don't know of anyone who's ever said that before. However, we all know people who have a victim's mentality. So somewhere there's a lack of self-awareness with all of us. And we've all been around those people and we realize that they are not very fun to be around. And so I, I've not met anyone who had a victim's mentality that had actually helped them. It actually held them back. And so uh, one thing that happened to me a while back that just comes to my mind right now, I don't think I wrote about this in the book, but I was in this lobby a few years ago. 
And there's a bunch of people in the lobby, and they were all coming in to kind of visit for the, the Dave Ramsey show. And one guy, one landscaper had come in, actually two different landscapers came in, but the first one came in and he was complaining like crazy that the small landscaping company couldn't get ahead in the economy. They couldn't find any business. Nobody was paying on time. And uh, I was just really, really just down and out about the economy and how all these big companies are coming in and taking away all the money. And it was just really sad story. I'm like, oh, that's so, you know, that's bad. I I didn't know what the next conversation was going to look like. But during the next break, about 20, 30 minutes later, another guy comes in, same exact city, same industry, and same size of a of company, all the same variables. He's like, dude, I am absolutely loving life right now. I am trying to beat off. I beat off all of this new new business, and I'm trying to I, I'm trying to hire people as fast as possible. I can't get enough help to handle all this work. And the thing is, just same city, same industry, same everything. But the bottom line is, is one had a victim's mentality, one had a victor's mentality, and that victor's mentality, people are magnetically attracted to that. And so with that comes joy, with that comes a good attitude, and people want to be around people with joy and a good attitude, and, and they have a winning mentality. I don't know of any winners that are in the winner's circle that had a victim's mentality. So what do you think is the best way to reset our self-awareness? Because we usually don't realize when our pride is creeping up or when we don't like being wrong or when we're angry and other people see it, but we just think we're being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's uh, really important for us all to realize, and I really I do think it might be all. It's at least 98% that have this. We're just humans. And so with being a human, we're fallen people. And so we, with us comes a, a judgmental attitude. We've all been around people that are extremely judgmental. And so because we're not extremely judgmental and prideful, we automatically would say that we're humble. And uh, that's not true. You're just less prideful or you're less obvious, or you're actually a little bit more uh, tactful and you cover up your pride a lot more because you've got more practice with your pride. So we have to understand that pride, pride is actually super sneaky. It never announces its arrival. It never says, hey, I'm pride, I'm here. But if you think about it, in our lives, we do this not just with traffic, but here's a traffic analogy for us. We're driving down the road, and the reality is, is everyone who's going faster than you is an idiot, and everyone going slower than you is a moron. <laughs> and so it's like everyone in traffic is supposed to be going your exact, exact speed because you are the perfect driver, and you never make mistakes. And if everyone just knew how to drive like you do, (laughs) but the reality is, is you've cut people off too. And you've gone too slow because you've been distracted in a really deep conversation or possibly even on your phone or checking your makeup or, you know, there's a lot of different things that, um, you know, but we judge others based on reality, but we judge ourselves based on our intentions. Those are two different bars and it's not fair. So I think it's not uh, to wonder if we do have pride It's to go ahead and just admit it now. I don't even know everyone that's listening in. But just admit that we all have pride, and we have to pray every day for humility. And humility is another thing that has a moving bar. But for me, my measure of humility is uh, Jesus Christ dying on a cross that he created on a hill that he created. That's real humility. So even if you see somebody who acts really humble uh, at an award show or online, that's good humility for, uh, for us as humans. But my bar is, hey, I mean, Jesus came to this earth and put on skin and was born in a manger and, you know, lived a sinless life and died on a hill that he created at the hands of people that he created. 
Yeah, it's funny because we think about humility and we usually set the bar against the people in our circle of influence, right? It's like our friends, the people we work with, the good people, the shady people, and then that's the bar that we tend to use. But it's got to be, our bar has to be Jesus Christ because that's perfection. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, even, yeah, of course, you're never going to meet it. But man, what if, what if we just fell a little bit short of that? Well, let's say we fell 20% short of that. It's still better than uh, having a bar that's just the more humble neighbor that just happens to be a little more humble than you. I feel like we should we should aim for the stars when it comes to this. You hear a lot that if you're not content with your life as a single person, bringing another person into your life isn't going to make that any better. And we're talking with Chris Brown today at SWS Radio. He's been an author and a pastor for years and worked with Elevation Church and Potential Church and actually leads the Well Church in Tennessee today. But Chris, when you met your wife, Holly, originally, you were still navigating some complexities from your past trauma. How did Holly help you navigate that? And as you started a relationship so that you could be free from the conflict. Yeah, we all, you know, those of us that are married or, or been in any kind of significant relationship, when we come in, we all come in with baggage. And uh, those of us, uh, not myself, but those of us maybe listening in, you got married later on in life, you know, you've got more and more years of that. And baggage might not be the right word, but, um, you know, it's not always a negative thing, a weight, if you will, that comes with baggage, but it's just parts of your personality that you're bringing into a relationship. For me, with that kind of upbringing, you know, growing up and in, in so much violence and instability and, and tragedy, I came in with um, things like I didn't know how to handle conflict. And so I was a stonewaller. I wasn't necessarily angry and throwing things around. Actually, it was the opposite. I was actually too calm because I was starving for calmness because I grew up in craziness. And so for me, I, the calmness would actually come across as apathy where I didn't care enough to actually even talk about whatever the argument was. And so we had to work through that where I didn't stonewall and I actually could pursue conflict in a, in a healthy way. Another one was a scarcity mindset that I always thought that uh, we had to hoard and hold on to things because I never had anything, especially when it came to food. If we threw out food for 10 people for a party, I would get in there and on my first plate, I would absolutely load up my plate in a very obnoxious way. In those first couple of years, my wife would be like, Chris, okay, so here's the amount of people that are here. And then in your mind, you divide it up and fraction it out into how much is a reasonable portion for you. And so she had almost like explain that to me like I was five years old. But I just came in with this scarcity mindset of I might not have food tomorrow. And uh, we, had to, we had to really deal with that for a few years. And so we all bring in that kind of thing. You just got to realize what you're coming in with. And then you got to deal with it in a healthy way. When we walk through challenges in life, it affects the way that we look at our world today. And we're talking with Chris Brown on SWS Radio. He's a best-selling author, and he's a pastor at The Well in Tennessee. You know, you were talking a few minutes ago about how when you're growing up and you don't have a whole lot, you have a scarcity mindset is almost your default sometimes. And in your book, Restored, you said, you know, I don't have to be financially secure to live a generous life. Now, Chris, in what ways can Christians be generous? when they don't feel like they have a whole lot. I can't tell you how many times I've heard as a pastor of like, man, if I ever win the lottery, if I ever get wealthy, I'm going to be such a good tither or I'm going to be so generous. And, and I think just more money, all it does is magnify who you already are. So if you're already stingy, you're just going to be more stingy. If you're already grouchy, you're going to be more grouchy. If you're already generous, you're just going to be more generous. Money is just a magnifying glass that magnifies who you already are. And so if you are somebody who who would say that you're probably not on the wealthier side, which is probably, we, we probably all need a perspective shift. 
and know that if you're listening to this show, either through podcast or radio, you probably are in the top 10% of the world's wealth. So just to level the playing field a little bit, if you make over $11,000 a year, you're in the top 14% of the world's wealth. If you make over $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of world's wealth. So just to level the playing field. But all of us can do something. We can all, of course, I believe in the biblical tithe, uh, giving 10% to the local church, uh, that where you're being fed. Uh, Malachi 3 it talks about that. So does Matthew 23, 23 in the New Testament. But in addition to that, we can be generous with a hug, a smile, giving somebody attention, uh, delivering cookies to the neighbor. One of the biggest ways we can be generous that's really off the radar in today's world is attention is eye-to-eye contact, putting the the device down, putting the screen down, and actually looking into someone's eye and actively listening. That is such a rare opportunity and such an easy opportunity for us today to do something that's rare. And when that happens nowadays, because it happens so little, it means the world to somebody, possibly even more than a $100 bill, or you help them pay a utility bill. You sitting down and really feeling someone's pain with them, empathizing with them, holding space with them, allowing them to process, uh, listening to what they're saying and what they're not saying, and praying with them, that is so rare today. So we can be generous no matter how much money we make. So let's talk about generosity for a minute. We're talking with Chris Brown today at SWIS Radio. Chris, you've been a pastor for years with Potential Church and Elevation Church. Now you lead the Well Church in Tennessee. You've also worked with Dave Ramsey's organization, Ramsey Solutions, and you've done a lot of speaking about generosity and investing and business. It's interesting, every time we talk about the tithe, which is a tenth, right, a tenth of our income, I feel like there's always someone that wants to say, oh, the tithe is an Old Testament principle. It doesn't apply to the New Testament. Jesus didn't talk about the tithe. What would you say about that? Because I'm not sure that that's true. Yeah, that's the main reason why I brought up Matthew 23, 23, is because I'm aware of that argument that's out there. And I just want to like encourage everybody in a very loving way to just take a look at Matthew 23, 23. And there's no way you can like do a word search or like study it down and try to explain it away. But Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23, and I don't have this verse memorized, but he says we were called to do some amazing things in life and to be really, really generous. And he he talks about some really big things. He's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you should do all those big, huge things, but don't forget the tithe. He says, you bring your tithes, you bring your frankincense, your myrrh, all those kind of things. You bring those things as a tithe, as a tenth, but you should be more called to bigger things than that. But he says, don't give up the former in order to do the latter, meaning do both. It's not either or. It's like almost like tithe is in that verse. He's like, it's like putting on your shoes in the morning. It's a basic. It's blocking and tackling. It's your, your basic X's and O's if you're, if you're an athlete listening in. It's your basic, yeah, of course you tithe. Of course you, of course you do that because that's not even giving. That's returning back to the Lord saying, hey, this is not, not even mine anyway, God. This is yours. And by my way of giving you 10% back is saying, hey, this is all yours, God. Now, above and beyond that, now you're talking about getting generous. So Matthew 23, 23, that'll explain, that's uh, the New Testament, Jesus himself out of his lips, explaining that Malachi 3 and all the things in Deuteronomy. When you look at Jesus's life, you look at something way beyond the tithe. The tithe is just basic. Yeah, he says, woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. And 
but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, and you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, you blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. It's like you're missing the whole heart of generosity in this. Mm-hmm. It's like you're counting it down to the very penny of the tenth. You wouldn't even give a cent more, and Jesus is saying, hey, that's just a starting point, bro. Yeah, so good, so good. You're such a good host. You get that verse right there. You're awesome. You're good. Well, I think there's some flawed reasoning that a lot of us take, and we just say, okay, well, the tithe is something from the Old Testament. Jesus set us free from the law, but it's a lot richer than that because it's about generosity. It's also about first fruit. It's about trusting God. It's not just about money. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Chris, you have this brand new book. It's called Restored, and it's really about transforming the sting of your past into purpose. When you're going through the trauma, when you're going through the just trials, when you're going through the points of just strain in your life, where is the catalyst for you to look for the purpose when you're in the thick of it going, God, what are you trying to teach me here? How do I even start to find that purpose? Yeah, so I think if somebody's listening in today, that might be a question that they're asking. And so I, I like the question. For me, I wrote this book years and years after the majority of all these trials and all this pain. I wouldn't say that I'm immediately, I don't want anyone to think, or I don't want to even try to convey that I immediately am in the middle of a trial and it's awful. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder how I can do some ministry out of this later. I, <laughs> it really isn't right away. During the trial, I'm like, this really stinks. For me, I'm a realist. And I'm like, this at the end of the day, this is not ideal, but it's it's probably after the, you know, some trials are bigger than others, so it's after the tension dies down, and it's a, maybe a day on my front porch trying to process and reflect everything that's happened in the last day, week, month, year, depending on how big the trial is, and just saying, hey, God, I'm handing it over to you. It's something that I could have done differently, and it was me that created the trial. Sometimes it's a circumstance that happens to me, and uh, everything in between, I'm just saying, hey, God, while I'm asking him forgiveness, if that's part of it, but I'm like, hey, how can I how can I leverage this for your kingdom? How can I serve people with this? How can I lead out with vulnerability? Because with our vulnerability, there's a ton of healing when you're helping other people. There's a verse in Proverbs 11:25 that says, "Those who refresh others themselves are refreshed." And so, a lot of times when we're coming out of a trial, where our spirit, our soul is looking to be refreshed after a trial. Well, the number one way you can do that is to refresh others with what you went through and try to minister to them. For instance, right now, my wife and I are intensely uh, serving a widow in our church. Well, it's very easy for us to do that because her mom is a widow. Her dad died at a very, very young age. And so for us, we're taking all of that pain from our past of her dad passing away and watching her mom struggle as a mom trying to make ends meet with five kids that we're taking all of that and balling it up, and we've got tons of empathy for this widow in our church. Well, we're talking with Chris Brown today at SOS Radio and his new book. It's called Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Hey, thank you so much for your time today, Chris. That was great. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for streaming Scott Harold's podcast from SOS Radio. If, if you're one of our regular listeners, would you consider giving it a five-star rating? It really helps spread the word.